finishing this chapter, the human composition, which details what a human being is made up of. Um, last class, we learned about our inner personality, what makes us us. We are what our vasanas are. They make up our inherent nature. All of us are different because of our different vasanas. These vasanas originate from our past lives and we add more during this life. The whole idea is to reduce the vasanas. This is what spiritual development is, how to reduce the vasanas. God plus vasanas is a human being. So human minus vasanas, desires is God. So the three yogas teaches us how to reduce these vasanas. Is that everyone clear on that? Okay, so I'm just going to Sorry about that. Okay. So last week we um, looked at the uh, this diagram and we discussed it. Uh, look, sorry, I'm still working out how to uh, do this. Bear me a second. Ah, here we go. Okay, can everyone see that? We were discussing this uh, diagram last week. Can everyone see this diagram? No. No one can see it. Sorry? I think you need to double click on it so it's bigger. It's tiny for us. Oh, really? Yeah. Change. Is that small? Yeah, it's like a thumbnail at the moment. Oh. Here we can see your whole desktop. Oh, fair enough. I don't know why I'm not able to do this. Um, anyway, we'll just go for it regardless. I could do it last time, but I don't seem to know why it's not working this time. So we discussed the five layers that cover the Atman. Five sheaths, vests. As a human, this is what we're made up of. These five material layers with the self as the core. So the outer layer, this is just a recap from last class. The outer layer was the food sheath. It's the physical body comprising of the five organs of action and perception made up from food we eat. It's maintained by the food, the body. And in the end, when we die, it becomes- I imagine if the people never have a keyboard, how they have a keyboard that's standing here. You know who that is? Second layer was the food sheath. 
the vital air sheath, breathing. This is the next layer, related to the air we breathe. Oxygen keeps us alive. All the functions of our body, mind, intellect depend on oxygen we breathe. So this covering sheath is made up of the five physiological functions, perception, the five senses, excretion, digestion, circulation, and thought absorption, taking in fresh knowledge. Then as you go in, it's the mental sheath. The third layer comprises of the mind, which controls the outer two layers. So the mind is more subtle than the other two layers. And then as you go more in is the intellectual sheath. This layer is made up of the intellect. The intellect controls the outer layers. It allows a person to think, reason, and contemplate. We also discussed that the fact that the intellect is different from intelligence. What's the difference? Intellect and intelligence. Intelligence is knowledge from external sources and intellect is internal. It's internal. So sources like school, reading books, watching documentary, become knowledgeable in one or more subject. It doesn't develop the intellect. Even this knowledge, it can just be intelligence. Unless you use it to develop your intellect, it'll just be knowledge. We said you need a strong intellect to control the mind and to be able to keep the mind concentrating on the task at hand. Because the mind has, keeps moving past, future, it's difficult for it to stay in the present. So now we get to the internal layer, which is the bliss sheath. What is the meaning of bliss? Anyone? What's the meaning of bliss? Megna. To be without agitation. Without agitations. Yeah. Anybody else? Bliss. Let me say I'm in bliss. Shashi. Eternal happiness. Internal happiness. Happiness. Don't know about eternal, but happiness. <laughs> bliss means happiness. This layer, bliss sheath. So we said the mental sheath was mind, intellectual sheath was intellect. The bliss sheath contains vastness, the stuff we are made of, our inherent nature, the subtlest form of our personality. And we'll find out why it's called a bliss sheath in a second. Ravi, do you, uh, sorry, Ravi, do you want to read that portion? Bliss sheaf. The bliss sheaf consists of fasteners, the inherent innate material that one is made up of. It is the seed, the subtlest form of human personality. When you remain in bliss sheaf, you are in deep sleep, dreamless sleep. In that state, your vastness are unmanifest. 
they manifest as thoughts and desires in the dream and further into actions in the waking state. Since the dream and waking states contain thoughts and desires, you experience mental agitation, less or more. The moment you enter the portals of sleep, all agitation ceases. You experience peace and bliss. Hence, the state of deep sleep is known as bliss, bliss sheath. But this bliss is relative, not the absolute bliss of self-realization. That's why Shashia said it's limited, not absolute. So, bliss sheath is in deep sleep. We all go through three states of consciousness. Waking, dream, and deep sleep. Waking, deep sleep means dreamless sleep. This is where vasanas are, unmanifest vasanas. They have no expression. They are in seed form. So vasanas become thoughts, desires, then action. Then you have the dream state. In this state, vasanas have now formed, expressed as thoughts and desires in the dream. That's why in the dream you have desires to do things. You can be whatever you desire. Achieve whatever desire you have. Where? In the dream. I want to be rich, famous. I want to be an actress, prime minister, king, queen, whatever you want to be in the dream. You can be anything you want because thoughts and desires manifest in the dream. Then you go in the waking state. In the waking state, you have thoughts, desires, but they turn into action because you have your body, your perceptions, your organs of actions available to you. You have the use of your physical body. But because there is thoughts and desires in both states, dream and waking, there's also mental agitations. Why mental agitations? Why do you get mental agitations? In the dream, you have mentally, you get agitated mentally. Someone's chasing you in a dark alley. In the dream, you get agitated mentally. Desires, unfulfilled desires. That's what causes agitations. So in the bliss sheaf, there is no agitations because no thoughts, no desires. Hence its name, bliss. The vasanas are dormant. They haven't expressed themselves yet. Is that clear? Yeah. So this is the bliss sheaf. That's why it's called bliss sheaf. No agitations, Meghna, as you said, no agitations. So those are the five sheets we have covered now. Now, this five sheets can be divided into a further three. We're going to explore that now. It's called the gross, subtle and causal bodies. 
We'll explain what that means. Now I'm going to see if I can share this screen with you. Tell me if uh, it, uh, you can see it. Yeah, I could see that now. Yeah, unfortunately, I want a different one. <laughs> <laughs> I've shared this one in the actual group. So. Uh, no. uh, let's see, it's quite important if I can share this. Oh, you might go. find it easy. Hang on. Oh, there you go. Can everyone see that? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Is that uh, better? Yeah? Brilliant. Okay. So the five sheaves, you can you all recognize the five sheaves there. Food sheaf, vital air sheaf, mental sheaf, intellect, bliss. We've just covered that last week and today. Yeah, everyone's familiar with that. So we can divide these five sheaths in further three divisions. The gross body, which is made up of the food sheath, and half of the vital air sheath. Then you've got the subtle body, which is the mind, the intellect, and the subtle portion of the vital air sheath. And then you have the bliss sheath, which is causal body, vasanas. Don't worry too much about the names because we're going to explain that. So these are the five sheaths divided into two, three sections, gross body, subtle body, causal body. Now we all know the gross body. This is what we see in the mirror. Yeah. We've all discussed the mind and intellect. This is now called the subtle body. And the causal body is the bliss sheath where vasanas are. Now, so the only area of, that you're not sure of is the vital air. Now, this is divided into two for a reason, and we're going to talk about that now. So the Atman covered by these five sheaths, human being. So the gross body is the food and gross part of the vital air. Now, what is the gross part of the vital air layer? Your organs of perception, eyes, ears, nose, touch, taste and organs of action, arms, legs, speech, excretion. So this is divided into two. One part belongs to the gross body, one part belongs to the subtle body. So I'll give you an example. When you hear, you hear with your, your ear, correct? If you chop off the ear, this bit here, can you or can you not still hear? You can still hear, isn't it? Because you have an inner ear, the sound that you hear goes into the mind where there are sense senses. And when the sound hits those sense senses, you hear. Hence, if you chop this off, you can still hear. When you see, the eyes are just a gross organ. It's part of the physical body. Only when the image hits the sense senses in the mind, you're able to see. Taste, if you eat when you're not feeling well, the tongue is still tasting. 
it's doing its job, but because you're not feeling well, the taste senses in the mind are not functioning. So you can't taste anything. So the point is vital air, where the organs of perception and action have, have a gross and subtle part to it. The subtle part is which is in the mind. It's made up of the subtle part of the vital air sheath. So the subtle body has these, the subtle part of the vital air. Is that, is that clear? Does that make sense? There's two sections of the vital air, gross and subtle. The physical organs that you see and the senses within in the mind, that is the subtle portion. Hence, it's divided into two. So the gross section goes with the gross body. The subtle section goes with the mind and intellect, the subtle body. And then the causal body comprises the bliss sheath. Can you really read portion? Gross, subtle, and causal body. A human being may further be divided into three constitute bodies, known as gross, subtle, and causal bodies. These are formed from the five sheaths enumerated above. The food sheath and the gross part of the vital air sheath together constitute the gross body. Whereas, the subtle part of the vital air sheath, together with the mental and intellectual sheaths, form the subtle body. And the bliss sheath is the causal body. Is that clear to everyone? Um, if there's any clarification, if there's, you don't understand, please ask. Gross body, subtle body, causal body. Gross body has the food sheath, the physical body, with the organs of action and organs of perception. Vital, uh, subtle part has the senses in the mind. The mind and the intellect make up the subtle body. And then the causal body is the bliss. Is that clear to everyone? Yeah. So whenever we refer to causal body now, you understand, is the deep sleep state, vasanas. Whenever we say subtle body now, you now understand it's the mind and intellect. And if we say gross body, then that's simple, the physical body. Because there's a lot of this terminology in as we go further on. They, they just refer to subtle body and gross body. Yeah, so, that, so this a diagram should help you make it more clear. So my drawing skills are not very good, so... I just did that yesterday to make it more clearer because without the drawing, it's difficult to understand. So when you die, what part goes when you die? When you die? Your causal body, vasanas. Your... What, part, what part of the body dies? What part of you dies when you when you yeah, and life ends. Gross. Sorry, Ravi? Say, do you gross, gross part, your physical? Physical, gross body. Sashi? That's what I was going to say, gross body. body. So it's the gross body that dies. 
the physical body with the organs of action and organs of perception. The, bo the gross body contains a physical body with all your organs. The subtle body which contains your thoughts and your desires, mind and intellect does not die. This with your causal body where your vastness are is transferred into the next body, i.e. reincarnation. Does that make sense? The gross body dies, we cremate, we bury, but the mind and intellect, the subtle body and the causal body is what gets reincarnated in a new body. Why does the body die, by the way? Deepa, why does the body die? Because this used well, because this body can you cannot you cannot um, fulfill your vasanas, your desires with the current body. So Perfect. You have to leave this body. Absolutely. The physical body can no longer fulfill your desires. You have so many desires, but the body's old, can't see properly, can't hear properly, can't smell properly. So you need a new body. So that's when you get reincarnated. Who decides it's time to change the body? Who decides? Does your husband decide? The intellect? Uh, you decide. You decide it's now time to change my body. I cannot fulfill my desires anymore. Time for a new body. When you say you, do you mean the Atman? Not the Atman. Your subtle body. Atman doesn't, doesn't care if you live or die, what desires you have. Just as electricity doesn't care what color light bulb you fit. So, Vasanas manifest through these three bodies, subtle and gross. As the waker in the gross body, dreamer and deep sleeper. Vasanas manifest through these three bodies as the waker, dreamer and deep sleeper, which we're going to talk about now. So this topic is needs a little bit of thinking, yeah? And please stop me if you're not clear about anything. Don't let me move on until you understand 100%, yeah? And then still you'll have to think about it a little bit because, you know, it's a little bit deep. Waker, dreamer, and deep sleeper. We've just touched upon that. We all go through three states of consciousness. The waking, dreaming, dream world, and deep sleeper. We've got one par paragraph on the gross, subtle, and causal bodies to finish. Yeah, please. Sorry. That's fine. The causal body contains vasanas in the unmanifest form. The subtle body contains thoughts, desire, feeling and emotion. While the gross body extends to perception and action, the vastness of an individual manifests through the gross, subtle 
and causal bodies respectively as the waker, dreamer and deep sleeper. So the vasanas of an individual manifest through the gross, subtle and causal bodies as the waker, dreamer and deep sleeper. So as we said, in the gross body, you have desire, thoughts, desires that turn to action. In the subtle body, it's just desires and thoughts. And in the causal body, it's deep sleep. The vasanas are there, but unmanifest. Yeah, is that clear? Kevil, is that clear? Vigil? Great. So waker, dreamer, deep sleeper. Every human being passes through the waking, dream, and deep sleep state. The pure consciousness is the substratum of all of them. When the consciousness functions through the gross body, it takes the form of the waker, Vishwa, in Sanskrit. The waker experiences the waking world. When the consciousness functions through the subtle body, it becomes the dreamer, Tejasa. The dreamer experiences the dream world. And functioning through the causal body, the consciousness turns into the deep sleeper, Ragna. The deep sleeper enjoys sound sleep, free from thought, desire, and action. Thus, the one consciousness identifying with the three bodies manifests as the microcosm, the waker, dreamer, deep sleeper, Vishwa, Dejasa, Brahma. So the, the, this concept is the basis of Vedanta. It's very difficult to explain without this concept. These are the deep imports of Vedanta. You need to know this in order to understand the foundation of this philosophy. Hence, I said it's very important that you understand. Um, and if not, please raise your hand. It's not a problem. Or just ask a question. So all human beings go through these three states. Waking, dream, deep sleep. The Atman, pure consciousness, is enlivening the three states. Pure consciousness, Atman, through the gross body, creates the waker. Through the subtle body, remember, mind and intellect, the dreamer. And through the causal body, the deep sleeper. Remember, we said vasanas in causal body. Consciousness through the three bodies manifest as the microcosm. Microcosm meaning you. Is that clear to everyone? Yeah, consciousness, pure consciousness through the ghost body is the waker. Pure consciousness through the subtle body is the dreamer. And through the causal body, the deep sleeper. These are the three states of consciousness we all go through. Okay. Meghna. You go through the waking, dream, and deep sleep all your life. But at any time, you assume only one of the three personalities. 
You are either a waker or a dreamer or a deep sleeper. When you take up the position of a waker, the waker goes through the experiences of the waking world. The waker treats the waking world as real and rejects the dream world as unreal, a mere illusion. Again, when you take up the position of a dreamer, the dreamer treats the dream world as real. To the dreamer, the waking world and all that goes with it do not exist. So both the waker and dreamer experience a relative reality as long as each is confined to his respective realm of experience. But the moment he crosses the boundary of his world, its reality is lost. Yet both the waker and the dreamer empathetically assert that his world is absolutely real. So we all go through these three states, all of us, all through our life. Waker, dreamer, deep sleep. But we only experience one of these states at any one time. There's no overlap. The waker experiences the waking world. You are all in the waking state now, I hope. Tonight, the dreamer will experience the dream world. You can be whoever you want in the dream world. They'll have no idea of the waking world when you're in the dream. And after the dream is over, you'll be in deep sleep state. Deep sleep means dreamless sleep. You know, when you wake up, you said a really nice sleep, dreamless sleep, you are in deep sleep state. So both the waker and dreamer experience a relative reality. It only exists in that realm. See, you, wake, you woke up this morning, last night you had a dream, whatever that dream may be. As I said, someone may be chasing you in an alley, you're sweating, yeah? you're worried, you're scared. Then you wake up, what happened? Oh, it was just a dream. It's not real. Why, was I, why am I so sweaty? Why am I so worried? It's just a dream. But both the waker and dreamer believe that their world is real. To the dreamer, that there was someone who was chasing that person, was chasing you. It was real for that person in the dream. As long as you are dreaming, your dream world is very real. Right now, you're in the waking world. This is real to you. You will say that dream, that dream I had last night was unreal. You will say, this is the real world. This is the real state. You ask the dreamer, he'll say, or she'll say, no, this is the real state. The waker swears, this is real right now. This is not the dream. The dreamer tonight will say, this world is real. What is this waking world? Deep sleeper is just sleep. Each state is real for that personality and they reject the other two states. So the question is, which world is real? Which world is real? That's what we need to ask ourselves. 
Which world is real? I ask you, which world is real? Ravi? Which world to is you, real? Well, to you or to me, the waking state would feel real, but it's a lot to contemplate to see if um, it is real or not. So, you'll know which one is real. <laughs> which world is real? Nilam, which world is real? None of them. None of them. None of them. Carol, which dream is real? Which state is real? It's all based on the perceiver, right? So when you, like you said, when you awake, then the waking world is real. When you sleep and dreaming, the dreaming world is real. So it's the reality is based on who's perceiving it or which part of your of your brain or your mind is perceiving. So each state is real for that personality. They reject the other two states. So the waking world right now is real for who? Who are you right now? The waker. The waker, yeah. So the waking world is real for the waker. You are now the waker. Consciousness through the gross body is the waker. Tonight when you go to sleep and you have a dream, the world is real for who? The dream world is real for who? The dreamer. We never think of it this way, do we? It's thought provoking. So it's the Waco believes this world is real, not the I. It's the dreamer who believes the dream world is real, not the I. Megna. Janaka was a king imbued with spiritual wisdom. One night he dreamt he was a beggar. He woke up from the shocking dream and summoned his counselors. To them, he posed his famous question. Am I King Janaka who, dream, who dreamt that I was a beggar? Or am I a beggar now dreaming that I am a king? The counselors were confused and did not know what the king meant. So they brought in a sage to answer the question. The sage gave these pearls of wisdom to the king. You are neither King Janaka nor the beggar. You are the Supreme Self, Atman. In the waking state now, the self has assumed the form of the king. A while ago in the dream, the self had become the beggar. At another time, it would take the form of the deep sleeper. You are not the waker, dreamer, or deep sleeper. You are the self. This is the truth. This is the crux of Vedanta. You are not the waker, the dreamer, the deep sleeper. You are the self, the I. 
you think you are the waker. The waker doesn't believe he is the I. See, what's the definition of reality? Anybody knows what the definition of reality is? Well, in the dictionary it says, the definition of reality is something that exists in the past, present, and exists now, and will exist in the future, exists in all time. That's the definition of reality. If you take this waking state, it does not stand up to the definition of reality. It exists now, but it didn't exist last night. It didn't exist in the last night's dream. It won't exist in tonight's sleep. Similarly, dream will exist in the night, in the dream state, as long as the dreamer exists, not before and not after. Deep sleep also will only exist in the night when you are in dreamless sleep, not before or after. So the point here is none of these three states exist before or after. And the definition of reality is that it has to exist throughout time, past, present, and future. None of these three states fulfill that definition. So what's real? Megna, what's real? <laughs> Um, only the self. Only the self, absolutely. You got it. It's thought-provoking, isn't it? Go through all our life without knowing this truth. So King Janaka, caught, he got scared. He dreamt he was a beggar when he went to sleep. He woke up from the shocking dream and summoned his counselors. He said, am I King Janaka who dreamt I was a beggar or am I the beggar now dreaming that I'm a king? He doesn't know the difference. They didn't know how to answer him. So they called a great sage, Ashtabakra. He said, you are neither King Janaka nor the beggar. You are the self, as Meghna just said. Atman. Atman in the waking state now, the self assumed the form of the king. A while ago in the dream, the self had become the beggar. At another time, it will take the form of the deceiver. You are neither of these three. You are the self. You are not the waker, dreamer, or deep sleeper. You are the I. The I conditioned by the gross body is the waker. The I conditioned by the subtle body is the dreamer. The I conditioned by the causal body is the deep sleeper. The I remains pure. Beyond these three conditions is a true personality. But we're conditioned all the time. Throughout our life, we cannot see beyond these three states. That's why we have to go through these spiritual studies to try and get a glimpse of this I, to be introduced to our true being within. This is what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to find out who we really are. 
So whenever we say I, we condition it. I am Sheila. I am Deepa. I am Magna. I am Ravi. I am short. I am tall. I am a father. I am a mother. I am poor. I am rich. I am happy. I am miserable. I am the waker. I am the dreamer. I am the deep sleeper. It's never I am I. Deepa. It's never I am I. It's always conditioned by something. So you see yourself different from what you really are. And that creates all the problems that we go through in the world. I am not this body, mind, intellect. I am not this waker, dreamer, deep sleeper. I am the self. The minute you understand this, you are self-realized, spiritually enlightened. So you have to think about this, a very deep thought-provoking concept, very deep thought-provoking concept, which you have to put time and effort to think about. Intellectually, you may understand it. But to change you within, you have to really put a lot of effort to think about it. No questions? Nilam, make sense? Shila, make sense? scratching your heads. Okay, Megna. So it is with everyone. You are the Supreme Self, Admin, God. You are pure consciousness. The Supreme Consciousness passing through the gross, subtle and casual and causal bodies assumes the forms of the limited waker, dreamer, and deep sleeper. Just as colorless water appears green, blue, or yellow when seen through those colored glasses, so do you see yourself limited through these bodies? What a blunder you make of yourself to believe you are the waker, dreamer, or deep sleeper. Never do you recognize yourself in its pristine glory. The self that lies unconditioned beyond the three bodies. To discover your real self, you must transcend the limitation of your material equipments. Drop your identification and attachment with them through spiritual practices. You then attain your supreme being, the state of God consciousness known as Durya. Durya in Sanskrit means fourth. You reach the fourth state, the transcendental beyond the three mundane states. So it's like throughout our life, we, we never see pure water. We only see Sprite, Coke and Fanta. Yeah, we've never tried pure water. This is how it is. 
you don't know what pure water is. Does that make sense? Pure water, what's that? Coke and Fantine Sprite, that's all you know. Similarly, all we know is the waking, dream, deep sleep states. We don't know the fourth state, the pure consciousness that we all are. We, all, we go through the three states of consciousness. Turiya in Sanskrit means fourth state. This is the state we, we, we try to reach, the state of enlightenment. That's when you reach the fourth state, Turiya. So we need to start uh, learning about pure water. Give up the Coke Fantine Sprite and our attachment to it. We attach to it. The three states of consciousness we attach to and our body, mind and intellect. Make sense? Magna. The consciousness is the, is the substratum of the microcosm and macrocosm as well. When the consciousness functions through the aggregate of all gross bodies, it expresses as Virat cosmic, cosmic waker. The same functioning through the aggregate of all subtle bodies expresses as Hiranyagarbha, cosmic dreamer. And through the aggregate of all causal bodies as Ishwara, cosmic deep sleeper. The combination of these cosmic expressions is the macrocosm. The microcosm and macrocosm together form the world as illustrated below. Okay, so let's see if I can share the screen. Oh, here we go. So people who don't have the book. So it's very straightforward this. Um, I know the words, the, the, the words used are a bit complicated, but consciousness is the cause of the microcosm. So the microcosm is us, us individual. The macrocosm is the world. Micro, macro. So what it's saying is consciousness, Atman, Brahman, is the cause of the microcosm, meaning the enlivening factor in you. Atman. And the macrocosm is the consciousness, self, Atman in the world throughout all beings. So macrocosm is all beings, microcosm is the individual. So this diagram explains in a simple way how the consciousness functions to all beings. So the microcosm here. Can everyone see the diagram, by the way? Hello? Yes. yes, we can see it. Okay. So the microcosm is the individual. Consciousness functions through the gross body is the waker. Consciousness functioning through the subtle body is the dreamer. And the consciousness fun functioning through the causal body is the deep sleeper, the three states. 
This makes up the microcosm, the individual person. So similarly, consciousness functioning through all gross bodies is the cosmic waker, meaning all beings. The consciousness functioning through all the subtle bodies throughout the world is the cosmic dreamer. Consciousness functioning through all total causal bodies is the cosmic deep sleeper. Deep sleeper. These together make the macrocosm and with the microcosm, macrocosm is the world as we know it. And this is it. This is the world. Any questions? So we'll take up questions if anybody has on this. Any clarifications? Because as I said, it, it is quite deep and it's important that you understand it. Neelam. So is it saying that um, consciousness, the whole world is consciousness? Yeah. Okay, fine. This world is Brahman. Fine, okay. Any other clarifications? Megna, read the last paragraph, please. If the microcosm is likened to a drop of water, the macrocosm would be the ocean. Both the drop and the ocean are water. He who understands water in the drop understands water in the ocean water everywhere. Likewise, he who realizes the self within, realizes the self in one and all, the all-pervading being, discovers the consciousness around which the microcosm and macrocosm revolve, attains spiritual enlightenment. So the individual, if the individual, the microcosm is, is a drop of water, in the world, macrocosm is the ocean. So if you go to the ocean and you take a drop of water from the ocean in your palm, even though it is now separated from the ocean, it is still water, isn't it? It is the, it's still the same water as in the ocean. Even though it's in the palm of your hands, it still is the same water as in the ocean. So if you understand that the consciousness self is the same in you as in everybody, just as that drop of water in your palm is the same as in the ocean, if you understand that, and that the consciousness self is pervading through all beings, it's the same in you as everyone else, then you're spiritually enlightened. Simple as that. Kevin. I have a quick question. Yeah. So based on your, on your uh, explanation, um, basically the microcosm is the individual and the macrocosm is the collection of all individuals, correct? Yeah. Is, what, is there a link between all the collections? So in terms of like 
the cosmic dream and the cosmic deep sleeper, do we ever, does the different individual consciousness ever experience anything the same or in the same realm? You don't know? Or? Depends on your vastness. Okay. Every individual has different vastness. So the Atman function for your vastness would be different. Your dream, waking state, everything will be different compared to vigils. Okay. So the only link is that in the macrocosm is a collection. Yes. It's explaining how the world is formed, how consciousness functions for all beings. Nilam. So can I check? So is the microcosm Atman and the macrocosm is Brahman? Yeah. So what we say, it's just, first of all, it's all the same. Okay. <laughs> but when we say Atman, we're referring to in the individual. Okay. When we say Brahman, we say all pervading. Yeah. yeah. It's like we can say the drop of water we've taken out of the ocean is Atman. Yeah. And the ocean is Brahman. Got it. Thank you. It's the same thing otherwise. You put it back in there, it's, it's all part of the same. Hmm? Okay, well, does that make sense? Any other clarifications? You guys, you all think about it and Wednesday we can take up any other questions. Because it's a difficult topic to explain. Um, and it's a difficult topic to understand. But it blows everything you believe out of the water, really, if you think about it. All this waking state, dream state, it's saying it's not real. So to able to comprehend that, you understand it, it blows you away. It reminds you of that film, Inception. They forget which state is real. <laughs> They're going into deeper layers. They don't know which state is real and which state, but it's real for them, isn't it, in the movie? Same thing. They must have read. They must have read this book, this concept, when they made that film. Any other clarifications, questions? I don't know if any understand that. Yeah, I'm trying to. <laughs> yeah, that's the right answer. <laughs> yeah, go. So, we just explains the three states right so we have the the awakening state the dream state and the deep sleep state um yeah. but none of those states we're saying what, what we what we're trying to say over here is that none of those states are actually real um when do we experience the real state is that when we actually get moksha or yes. okay which is the goal of all human beings okay. this is so, a, this these other states have a shorter cycle because we experience them daily and the, the state we're trying to achieve, the, the moksha, is basically one long cycle that we just haven't got there yet. We haven't got there yet, exactly. Right. See, you, you experience that relative state in anyone? When do you experience that state relatively? Deep sleep. Deep sleep. So in deep sleep, you're experiencing that bliss, that oneness, for a very short time. 
because you don't have your body, you don't have your mind, you don't have your intellect, you don't, and all it is is vasanas in deep sleep state, which aren't even manifest. So it's just the self. But it's limited. It only lasts for a certain period. So we should try have more deep sleep? <laughs> as much as possible? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> that it'll just help allow you to experience briefly what it feels like. Oh, sorry, is it? Open this door, it's fine. Just open this door. So we've got a fly buzzing around. It's uh, irritating. <laughs> Any other clarifications? Questions? Sil has a question. So you said that um, we are conditioned and that's why our body-mind intellect is conditioned uh, as either wake of the dream or the deep sleeper in, the, in those states. So can I, what, what removes that conditioning then or lessens that conditioning? What removes that conditioning? Yeah, how can we lessen the conditioning? Because you're saying that the reason we don't identify with the self is because our body, mind, and intellect is conditioned. So, what can reduce that conditioning or remove it altogether? Does everyone understand what she asked? So, first of all, your body, mind, intellect is not conditioning. It's not conditioned. The Atman is conditioned by the body, mind, intellect. Okay. Yeah. yeah? By those three states. So, what would then remove? What would then, and we're saying that we are the self, so what would then remove that conditioning? Bye. She's asking, how do we remove that conditioning? Yeah, well. Understanding who we are, truly who we are. Truly who we are. Remove the body, mind, intellect. Acknowledge that it exists. You love me? Yeah. And it's the, the three yogas that we talked about as well, so practicing them. So, reducing your desires through knowledge and understanding, like today you've understood or you've had, the concept has been put forward to you that you are not this body, mind, intellect, you're not this waker, dreamer, deep sleeper, you are the self. So, this is the conditioning and we are learning to decondition ourselves by this knowledge. So, the more knowledge you get, the more you turn knowledge into wisdom, the conditioning gets removed. Throughout the day, you say, I'm not this waker, I'm the self. I'm not this body, mind, intellect, I am the self. That's you deconditioning yourself. Ravi. Oh, just, um, just going back to one of the previous paragraphs where it said, to discover your real self, you must transcend the limitation of your material equipment and drop the identification attachments. Yeah. into spiritual practices obviously with the knowledge as we're going through step by step you're being more aware of the self am i right in saying to drop mm -hmm. your identification and transcend you're eventually looking at you know, using the knowledge to get to a state of meditation allowing you to yes. focus for your inner self 
So to have true meditation, you have to, it's best to go through this path so you can actually have that. It's very difficult to meditate unless you've gone through the process of reducing your desires. Yeah? When you meditate without doing that, it's relative bliss, it's temporary. As soon as your desires come back, you're out of your meditation, and the minute you contact the world, your phone, your laptop, back to square one. Because the desires are there. They're not being, so the free yogas help you to reduce your desires. Yeah, it helps you to become more, um, it helps you to become more meditative. You've got no agitations. And then you've got a few desires left. I want to reach that goal of self-realization. Then you meditate. Then your mind isn't going everywhere. You're able to control your mind more. That's when you meditate on Om. And that takes you, transcends you to that state. So you have the, the three yogas is a prerequisite to meditation. It prepares you for meditation by reducing your desires. Does that help, Harry? Yeah, no, no, it does. Yeah, that, um, I just wanted that clarification that you are going through those stages to get to true meditation. And the free yogas are there for your free material layers, your body, mind, intellect. Karma for the body, selfless service, devotion for the mind, to a higher being, and jnana knowledge for the intellect. And you need the jnana, which is the most important, the knowledge, because if you get jnana, the knowledge, then you know why you're doing karma. You know why you're doing devotion. You understand. What's that? What's the... Um, the intellect understands what the mind is feeling. The intellect understands what the mind is feeling in devotion. And what's the other half? And the mind understands what the intellect is um, um, perceiving. And the mind understands what the intellect is perceiving. So you need the knowledge to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it. So you're focusing it in a particular direction. Hence, the no hence knowledge is extremely important, even if you're a devotional person or you're a karma yogi. Which direction are you going? You need to know. So you can put the right effort in. Any other clarifications? So it's quite thought-provoking. If you understand this, then you've understand the basis of Vedanta. Without understanding the three states of consciousness, it's very difficult to understand the fourth state. Did you make sense? Good. Okay. Like I said, think about it, and then you can always raise questions on Wednesday in the group discussion. Any other general questions at all? So now we're going to, as far as the knowledge bit's concerned, we're, we're going to limit it to an hour. 
because as it gets deeper, it, it becomes too much, you know, um, to, to take in so much. So we have to take it in smaller portions as we get into deeper aspects, deeper concepts. It's uh, too difficult to grasp otherwise. I mean, this, what we've just discussed, that would be like in two classes we'd normally go through with questions and answers and thinking and more questions. And this is, it would take, you know, a long time to digest. Satish, okay. So, any other questions or clarifications? Otherwise, we'll call it a day. General questions? Okay. You still want a little bit more knowledge? You've had enough. You had enough, Nila? Okay. So, last Wednesday, Last Wednesday, this is more general, not so deep. Last Wednesday, um, there's a question in group discussion was, how does this knowledge translate into happiness? I think you all had a good discussion without me. <laughs> so I was thinking more about it and actually only this knowledge will give you true happiness, nothing else. Anyone know why? Only this knowledge will give you true happiness. Anyone know why? Tashna. Meghna, sorry. Um, because happiness isn't found in the world. Is it because you'll be experiencing happiness through your mind and not your intellect, meaning it's temporary? Yeah, absolutely. So if you analyze the world, this isn't just general talk, if you analyze the world and the people in it, everyone is searching for something. Something that makes them truly happy. Has anyone found it? Can anyone say, yes, I am truly happy. I can't handle any more happiness. And even if you did, it's temporary. It's relative. As Kevil said, it's only in this waking state you're feeling it. When you're dreaming, you could be a beggar. So it's temporary happiness. It's always dependent on some external factor. I'm happy as long as my family, my partner, my status, my work, my bank balance, my health. If all that is okay, then I'm happy. Isn't it? We take the example of the most powerful man in the world. Who is he? Who is the most powerful man in the world? Well, who thinks he's the most powerful man in the world? <laughs> Donald Trump thinks he. Okay. 
is rich, has name, fame, power, beautiful wife, commander-in-chief of the most powerful nation in the world. Is he happy? Why is he unhappy? Because Kanye West wants to become the president now. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But basically, it's it's, it's temporary because he has that term and then it's gone, right? He might lose the next election. He's not happy being president for four years. So all of us are trying to reach that height to that status. And look at this person at that status. He's not happy. So what are we aspiring to? Wherever, whatever height we're trying to aspire to. If it's in the world, we won't find happiness because here is a person who has everything. He cannot go any higher than that, except for self-realization, but he doesn't know about that concept. So he is only in the material world looking for happiness. And even when he's got there, he can't, he's not happy and content. So what's the point? Rajesh, what's the point? See, the problem is we all have a void in us. And we're trying to fill that void with worldly things. These things can never fill the void. And that's a fact. How can we fill that void? Deepa, how can we fill that void? Any idea? Magna, how can we fill that void? Knowledge of your true personality, the true identity, knowledge of the self, Atman. Only that can fill that void, nothing else. So no matter what height you reach in the world, you will never find that true peace and happiness because you're trying to revert back to your true personality which is the self, Brahman, Atman. And nothing in the world materially will allow you to do that. So that void will never fill. It's like you've got a square hole and you're trying to fill it with a a circular block. It's never going to fit. No matter how much name, fame, power, wealth you get. Hence, I use that example of Trump. He will never find that happiness. Because... Being president, if he can't find happiness and everything he's got, what's left for him? Even if he wins the next election, he won't find happiness. So this is something to think about. What are you aspiring to? Is that going to bring me true happiness? So I just thought I'll explain what the discussion on Wednesday was, just to give it a little bit more dimension because my internet wasn't working that well that day. It seems to be bad. Internet's bad in Coventry, it seems. Any clarifications? So can I ask a question? Is there yeah. Enough? So because it's going to take us a lifetime or even more to achieve this self-realization, 
Are there little things that we can do in life to give us that small moments of happiness, which then leads us to the bigger happiness? Because unless we have some happiness in our lives, in some portions, life does seem a bit futile. Absolutely. Um, you're absolutely right. But this is, you will get bouts of happiness. You are getting bouts of happiness in the world. Mm. But it's not true happiness. This is what we're saying. See, the world is made of pairs of opposites. When there's happiness, unhappiness is around the corner. When you're unhappy, you know happiness is around the corner. This is how the world works. It's never only happiness. Mm. And learning this subject will give you happiness, even if it's temporary, because it reduces your agitations. Someone upsets you, understand it's their vasanas, you're reducing your agitations. That is happiness. Otherwise you get involved. Yeah. So this knowledge is giving you happiness, even though it's temporary. And if you know it's giving you temporary happiness, then you can have an idea of what that total happiness at the end is. We have some idea that what it might could be. You have to have faith. You know, this knowledge helps you detach from everything, from name, fame, power, wealth. You understand these things are futile. That is happiness. Understanding that this isn't worth it. It's not worth it. Happiness means reduction of agitations. Knowledge helps you to reduce your agitations. So it's Guru Purnima day today, so a little bit more extra knowledge to, to uh, look at life in a different way. Satish. Uh, as Guru Purnima today, we'd like to thank you for guiding us throughout our lives as well. And we've learned a lot from these classes, I think. And um, hopefully we will we'll carry on with it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So we're all prostrate to the great rishis and the gurus who have imparted this knowledge systematically through time. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be any wiser. So to those great sages and rishis, we do pranam that uh, we're fortunate to come across this knowledge and it's due to them that we're gaining this knowledge. So on that note, I wish you all a happy Sunday and uh, post your questions for Wednesday.